Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor, subscribe to the John Com Report wherever you get your podcasts. You watch them on YouTube, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. You can find us there as part of Empire Media. That's A-M-P-I-R-E. Always much appreciated when you tune in. And don't forget, you can become a member of the show. Go to the Empire Media homepage. You see the word join, click on that, find your membership tier, and you're good to go. We've put out, I put out several videos for the members only, just a few, you know, several minutes here and there, but several times a week. So, you know, and it will, there's many more things planned. We're going to have a private Zoom for the gold members very soon. Once this coaching staff stuff is finalized, then we can have that private Zoom so we can talk about the staff and everything else. And then that will be played for the members after the private Zoom is taped. So there you go. And don't forget, you can, of course, read my work on ESPN.com. And I hope you read a story I wrote over the weekend. It was on players who scored a touchdown in the Super Bowl. I talked to two former Redskins. Rigo, John Riggins, of course, with his with his go-ahead touchdown against the Dolphins. And then I talked to Mike Bass, who had the one of the more famous touchdowns in NFL history, and both of them did, when he scored the touchdown off the block field goal way back in the early 70s and off the Gero Upremian missed block field goal and then pass attempt. And there was Mike Bass. And ta- I, the, it was great talking to both of them. Rigo was really good, and he talked about that that night, I think, meant more to him than making the Hall of Fame because it was a team achievement. It's what you work toward, et cetera. And he felt like the Hall of Fame was a popularity contest, whereas that one was an achievement and it's certainly a team achievement and one that nobody will ever forget who was a part of that or who watched that. Anyways, so that's up on ESPN.com. Now, uh, today I'm joined by ESPN NFL draft analyst Jordan Reed. Always, always very good. You can follow him, of course, read his work on ESPN. ESPN plus you can follow him on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it at Jordan underscore read R E I D. And he's, we're going to talk quarterbacks and this is going to be a long conversation folks, not today specifically, but for the next few months about the quarterbacks. What I'm trying to find out is trying to inform everybody about like, what are the strengths and weaknesses of these quarterbacks without having, you know, you can have your mind made up whatever you want, but the more information you have, the smarter you can be about what the guy you think you want or how might quarterback X or quarterback Y fit into this offense? Is there a wrong choice? I don't know. I'm not smart enough at that point yet. So, but I want to bring Jordan on talk about that and talk about Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jane Daniels, some of the other quarterbacks. And then also want to get into, because there's more than one pick in this draft for Washington. So how is this offensive line draft? If they wait till the second round to get a guy, what might be there? What kind of receivers would fit in this air raid style of Cliff Kingsbury's offense? So get into all that. So stay tuned in a minute. I'll get there. One little coaching update, two little coaching updates. One, um, Ryan Kerrigan's going to be back. He's going to, I, I, I told the, told you guys last week, maybe it was for the members that, that he likely would be back. Now he is, he's going to be the assistant linebackers coach slash pass rush specialist. So he's back. 
Good to see him back. Wouldn't be the same place without him there. And then Bobby Johnson was named as going to be their offensive line coach. Was with the Giants the last two years. Was fired. The Giants did not have a good line. I don't know what to tell you about this one. Um, I think every situation is different. And I think we'll see how this guy, how he does here. I know what I know is he came with Dable from Buffalo. So clearly Dable liked him enough to bring him from Buffalo to New York. And um, I don't know all that went wrong. What I do know is the Giants did have some good young linemen. Talent-wise, they had a couple guys, you know, Evan Neal, Andrew Thomas, taken high in the draft. And, you know, they had a center. Um, Schmitz at center was a pretty good prospect. And yet their line was really, really bad. I don't know why that is, but I know that that's where he was at. He was fired. Now he's coming here. And so we'll see how this works out and we'll I'll learn more about him and, you know, have more things to tell about, tell you about him because to me, and I've told you before, it's a hugely important hire because that's a guy that's in charge of the run game, the protection. Also, if this group is going to want to try and develop young linemen, do you know, how are you going to do that? So he's going to be a big, big part of that because you're going to have most likely a rookie quarterback you have to protect. So that has to be a massive, massive, um, uh, important um, job, right? So I don't even know if that makes sense to say it that way, but you get the point, huge job. So do they have the right guy? We'll find out during the season. Um, anyway, so that's it for me. The staff still kind of being pieced together. I think we'll find out more in a day or two about all the other spots. Um, and I think, by later in the week, maybe Thursday, I think it is, maybe um, we'll have the, maybe I think that might be a day where there's a press conference. Don't know for sure yet, but it's going to be this week. So anyway, that's it for me. You want to hear from Jordan Reed because he's really good. So here's my conversation with ESPN NFL draft analyst, Jordan Reed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. But Jordan, in case you haven't heard, Washington might be in the market for a quarterback and in the draft as well. I know that it's kind of been kept secret, but I wanted to get, you've obviously been spending a lot of time looking at the quarterbacks. And I think in your first mock, you had Drake May going to Washington. That was, I think, in early January. May has kind of held steady as your number two quarterback. What, first of all, like in general, what do you think of this? I'm going to get into all the specifics in a minute, but what do you think of this class in general? Well, I think it's a very good class. And the three names that you'll hear is Caleb Williams of USC, Drake May of North Carolina, and Jaden Daniels of LSU. So those are your more so top three names that you'll hear. That fourth quarterback is where things get really interesting yeah. to me, which is something that Washington won't have to worry about. But Bo Nix of Oregon, J.J. McCarthy of um, Michigan, and then also 
uh, Michael Penix Jr. of Washington. Those are your other three that you'll probably hear in that top four discussion. Right now, it's more so of a race between Knicks and McCarthy, in my opinion, just because of the durability concerns with Penix and then um, some other things that we saw during the back half of the year, specifically in that last game with some mobility questions with him. But overall, I think it's a really good class. Spencer Rattler really came on late. He's coming on here late. He was really good at the Senior Bowl, so he's kind of built some momentum as well, which is really going to help him. But overall, I think it's a really, really good class. So when I, I talked to you, I think it was in December at some point. And at that point, you were pretty firm on Caleb and Drake as a top two. And if you're Washington picking second, that's why you had Drake. Is there What's the gap between like the top three quarterbacks, between Caleb and Drake and then Drake and Jaden, in your opinion? Well, for me, um, Caleb and Drake are back-to-back in my rankings at two and three, and then I have Jaden Daniels at number five overall. So there's not a lot of separation between all of these guys. Now, I still think Caleb is still in a tier of his own, in my opinion. Um, and, I mean, we can debate all day as far as how he played last year, but as far as the traits and what he can be on the next level, I think he has star potential very quickly, but there's some things that he's going to have to learn. There's some mental hurdles that he's going to have to do um, in that Shane Waldron offense in Chicago, just assuming that they pick him with the number one overall pick. But a big discussion that's happening in league circles and scouts that I talk to and buddies in the industry is between Jaden Daniels and then also Drake May. There's some people that like Daniels more than May, and there's some people that still like May over Daniels. And between those two, I don't think there's a whole lot of difference, honestly. It just depends on what type of quarterback that you want. Now, May is more so your prototypical guy at six foot three, uh, 230 pounds. He's very mobile, really strong arm, really good down the field, a pocket passer. He can, he's very mobile as well. I think that's an underrated part about Drake May's game. You're going to hear the name Justin Herbert floated out a lot about him. Now, I don't think his arm is as strong as Herbert's was coming out of Oregon, but as far as the the positives that they have together, I think they have a lot of similar parallels. And the thing that's really interesting about Washington with Drake May is that the Cliff Kingsbury hire was, it, it perked up a lot of people's antennas just because, you know, you hear the rumors, <clears throat> excuse me, about that could be a hire for them to trade up for Caleb or I kind of saw it in a different way, honestly, John, just because Drake May played in that air raid offense under Chip Lindsey last year. And then also his first year, under Phil Longo, who's the offensive coordinator at Wisconsin now. So I took it more so as they want to get an offense that's acclimated to Drake May more so. And not saying May is going to be the pick, but if they do end up picking May, now that learning curve won't be as steep for May just because he's going to be placed in a system that he's familiar with. You know, it's funny because when they had that hire too, I had the same thing. It's like, do not just assume this because there are ties to May. There are ties to Sam Howell. And I don't think they're going to just roll with Sam. But if but he's a guy that has played in the system and can, depending on who else you got a quarterback. So I didn't take it that way either. With with um with Jaden Daniels, what do you what do you like about him? And because has Ooh, he man. and he's has he gone up in your opinion since the more you studied? How much time do I have here with you? I could go on all day. <laughs> yeah. Um I'm a bit I'm a big fan of Jaden Daniels. It's just the progression and the ascension that he made this season. And it's funny just how this quarterback stuff works, just because Jaden was seen as like a fourth or a fifth round guy coming to the year, just because a lot of people were concerned about the weight. He's not an overly big guy. Now he's tall, but he's very slender. He's about six, four. We'll see what he weighs at the combine. He's listed at 210 pounds. We'll see if that ends up holding true, but Jaden is a very slender guy, but he's such a slippery and dynamic runner. Now he's not a break you down, make you miss type of runner, 
Um, but as far as slicing and dicing through defenses, just go and watch the Florida game. That's one that I love to point people to as far as what you're trying to see or what he can be on the next level as a runner. But the biggest progression that he made last year was his ability as a passer. The deep passing ability, I think, is the best of any in this class. It's probably between him and Michael Penix, in my opinion, as far as who is the best deep passer in this class. But as far as the progression that he made as a deep passer, that's some of the biggest thing, or that's the biggest stride that he made last year. But the one area where he improved in the most, and what I was so surprised with that he improved on was just the pocket patience. The mm -hmm. big worry about Jaden was that he just didn't have a lot of pocket patience, just because a lot of times with mobile quarterbacks, what happens is they're so used to putting that Superman cape on and running around and making plays. What happens with Jaden is that he knew he always had his legs in his back pocket as a runner. He always knew he could always use that as his cop-out card is what I like to call it. So he just took off and run a lot of times. That's what you saw at Arizona State. And then even two years ago, his first year at LSU, you just saw him take off and run, and there's people wide open. But last year, you saw him going through progressions. You saw him going through that first, second, and third read and checking it down to his running back. And then if things were not open – then he would take off and run. So he didn't use it more so as a cop-out. Now he was using it as that second tool on his tool belt that he had in his back pocket as opposed to um, utilizing it right away. So pocket patience and that progression, just the patience through his progression, I thought that was the biggest improvement that he made and why he ended up winning the Heisman Trophy. It seemed like he made that too throughout the year because the first game against Florida State, I think there were still some elements of that. And yeah. then by the end of the year, I think it seemed like it had gotten away from that a little bit. With with. One of the things that's always hard to, to gauge with a quarterback who has the kind of talent around him that he did at receiver is how much how how do you separate that okay, you got neighbors, you got you know, you got a, two really good receivers there. How do you separate what they can do versus how he helped them and what he was able to do with them? Because CJ Stroud went through that Ohio State, he kind of worked out okay. So and I'm not saying they're the same quarterback, but how do you separate that and where do you, you know, when you're evaluating it? I think that's the hardest part about quarterback evaluations, just because what is the quarterback doing? And then also, is he utilizing those receivers the right way? And then are they helping him out as much as possible? So is he putting the ball in the accurate spots or is he inaccurate, but the wide receivers are saving him with their catch radius? So what I see on tape is that it's a combination of a lot of things. I think Jaden is a very accurate passer, but we can't, we can't fault him for having two first round wide receivers right. on the outside. If he's delivering the ball accurately and he's getting the ball to them efficiently, I think that's something that does work in his favor. And I think CJ Stroud taught us a lot about that, having Marvin Harrison Jr. and Gary Wilson and all these guys on the perimeter. As long as he's distributing the ball accurately to them, I don't think we should hold it against him having those type of guys on the outside. He didn't recruit them there to LSU. So we can't uh, negatively have an effect on that or, you know, um, use that negatively against him, I should say, um, when we're talking about evaluations. As long as he's having adequate ball placement, he's going through his progressions, and he's getting the ball to the right spots, I, I, I see that as a positive uh, for Jaden Daniels. You brought the size and the running ability. Is that a concern for you as he goes in the NFL? Now, he hasn't had any injury problems or anything like that, but he does take some big-time hits. That's something that he's going to have to improve on just because – He's so competitive to where he hasn't learned yet that, okay, I need to get down and I need to slide or get out of bounds and protect myself. All it takes is one hit for that to change. And we've seen that with plenty of mobile quarterbacks in the NFL. So something that Jaden is going to have to learn on the next level is that he's going to have to learn to slide. He's going to have to learn to get out of bounds just because he takes some 
big, big, hit, big, big hits. And you saw, I think it was one against Ole Miss. If I, it was either Ole Miss or Mizzou. I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, he took a huge hit. And you saw that routinely throughout the season of where he just needs to get down and to protect himself just because those hits are going to be a little bit bigger and a little bit harder in the NFL. He's already not a bigger guy as far as his frame. He's, he's very slender, so he's going to have to learn to protect himself. I haven't seen many quarterbacks try to hurdle guys in the middle of the field like he did yeah. against Florida State. But, yeah. but you know, so with him, obviously, you know, how would he transfer? How do he translate into the Kingsbury air raid system? How do you think he would do if that if Washington goes in that direction? I think he'd be fine in it. Now, it's something that he hasn't played in a whole bunch. Um, he has experience with taking shots down the field and something that was somewhat of an air raid offense. But the LSU offense didn't really incorporate a lot of shallow crossers, mesh concepts, space reads, and throw into certain areas. It was more so a taking shots down the field, quick game underneath. So it would be a little bit of an adjustment for him, but I don't think it's something that would keep me from uh, selecting him at the number two overall pick. And with with May, um, what you know, obviously he's played in that system. Yeah. Is he is that a best fit for him? Is that like why does he fit better really well in that system? If so, why? Yeah, I mean, we've seen him have success in it already. And even though the verbiage and the lingo wouldn't be the same, there still would be some similar uh, terminology that he's already used to just because he's been in it with Phil Longo. He's been in it with Chip Lindsay last year. So some of the reads and the progressions he already has experience with now. Kingsbury has kind of altered his offense a little bit. It's not true traditional college air raid type of offense like we've seen with Mike Leach and Hal Mummy and some of these guys like that really were the pioneers of the um, the air raid offense. But as far as some of the things that he had experience with, I think it's some of the things that Cliff still does run and what we saw with Kyler Murray. So I think Drake May, if you are able to select him or if you do go with him with the number two overall pick, I don't think there will be a steep learning curve for him as far as learning the terminology and the verbiage of the air raid offense. What do you think are the key elements for a quarterback to succeed in that offense? That's a great question. Um, I think the biggest thing is just understanding space. Um, just because when you're getting in the air raid offense, there's a lot of spatial reads and a lot of spatial progressions. So there's a lot of object reads too. What I mean by object reads is that you're reading a certain object or a certain defender and what you hear a lot of times with the air raid offense is that we're going to put somebody in conflict to where they can't be right. So we're reading this linebacker or we're reading this safety. Um, if it's man coverage or if it's zone coverage, this receiver is going to sit down in the area. Or if it's man coverage, he's going to stay on the run. So there's more so ob object reads, but there's also some space reads, too, as well. But also in the air raid, you're going to be throwing the ball deep a lot, too. And with Drake May, we know he's had a lot of success with doing that at Carolina. Who's who's a better deep ball thrower? Because Jaden has done that pretty well too. Like, who's a better deep ball thrower there? Do you think? It's really close. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's honestly a huge difference yeah. between the two. Um, I, I think Jaden was more accurate down the field, uh, but he had some dudes. He was throwing to some dudes on the <laughs> perimeter outside as well. But uh, I think Jaden was slightly better throwing the ball deep. But Drake was phenomenal throwing the ball deep last year too. Do you? So again, are you assuming that Chicago takes Caleb? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I'll be really surprised if they don't. Um, and I mean, there's going to be rumors of Washington potentially trading up and things like that. But I just don't see a situation of where Chicago moves off of that number one pick unless the commanders just come in and blow them away with the offer. But that just doesn't make sense to me from Adam Peters standpoint, just because there's so many holes on this team and you can get maybe your first or your second 
a highly graded quarterback in that number two overall pick. So I just don't, unless Caleb just has a generational type of grade, and I hate using that word, um, unless he just has a significantly higher grade to where you're willing to give up three plus first round picks to move up one spot. I just don't see that happening. It just doesn't make sense for Washington to do, honestly. So one of the things too, you hear like, okay, well, you know, Houston last year hires a defensive coach. They get the quarterback number two. They have this big improvement. Do And I've talked to some people and I'm, I'm an Ohio State guy. So I say this, like, I really like CJ, CJ Shroud. Always liked him. Felt he'd be better in the NFL, to be honest, than Justin was. I just think he was a, just, an, he is an NFL type game. Do any of these quarterbacks, like, I guess, how do they measure up to someone like CJ as far as being able to come in and maybe being ready to, to make that kind of a splash? The thing about CJ that was so impressive is that he was just a natural. And I tweet this out all the time, John, every time CJ has a positive moment. I was sitting right behind CJ at the combine last year, and it's like going to opening day of an MLB pitcher and watching the ace on the mound. Like everything is just so natural. He can hit his spots when he wants to. He can put the right pace on behind the ball. It doesn't matter who he's throwing to. It just the dude can wake up out the bed and just throw the football. He's just a natural at doing it. Now, I don't see that type of natural passer in this uh class in general. I think Caleb has that type of potential. But CJ was such a natural with throwing the ball. I think he was more advanced as far as a passer as any other quarterback in this draft class. Now, I have Caleb more highly graded than CJ, but I think Stroud was more advanced as far as an overall passer. I think Caleb has a ways to go from a in-the-pocket standpoint to where CJ already had that down. And I think that's why he was able to have such success early on in the NFL. And by the way, I forgot to point this out because you had said earlier about Caleb being your number two guy. That's an overall draft, not yeah, just overall, quarterbacks, yep, clearly. Yep. So I meant to point that out for people. And I think that's that should, that's on the site now, I think on ESPN+. Plus, A lot of your work back there. People need to go. You subscribe to that. Go check it out because it's always very informative and in and in-depth breakdowns of each player and the quarterbacks in particular. So just as a, as a little note for people like that. So wh- when you look at May or Daniels, again, you know, how ready do you think they'd be to come in and be able to make a strong contribution right away? Well, I think all three are ready uh, right away. And some of the flaws that they do have, they need to play. And that's the only way that they're going to be able to work out some of the kinks that they do have. So the flaws with Caleb is that he keeps his Superman cape on all the time. That's the big flaw. That's going to be the biggest hurdle for him is that he just likes to run around and make plays. And that's what happens when your defense is giving up. 35 plus points a game you're always going to be in that superman mode to feel as if you have to make plays every single moment so we can't get bored with making the easy throws and just take what the defense gives you that's going to be the biggest hurdle for caleb now for drake i think the biggest hurdle for him is just going to be understanding how to get through his progressions a little bit cleaner a lot of times what happens with drake is that he hangs on to that first read and hopes it comes open as opposed to just going ahead and progressing through to that next option so just understanding progression patience but also understanding that i need to move on and not just stick on that first read and then also just being more accurate in the underneath areas and that's just a footwork thing with drake he has a little bit of a weird thing that he does with his back foot not to get too technical as far as into quarterback play but there's going to be some things that he has to clean up in his lower half and then with Jaden, it's just driving the ball more consistently over the middle of the field and that's something that we didn't see a whole bunch in lsu's offense just because everything was so pretty much outside the hash based they didn't really have that guy over the middle that they utilized a whole bunch. And they tried to use neighbors uh, in that area 
So they didn't really have a tight end that they like to go to or anything like that. So we didn't really get to see him drive the ball a whole bunch and really test tight windows over the middle of the field. So I think with Jaden, he just has to drive the ball a little bit more consistently in those short to intermediate areas. And then also just marrying up his running game and then also his passing game. So with Jaden, and when I think he's really going to become lethal is that every time he looks to tuck the ball and run, he's running immediately. There's not a situation of where he runs and looks to become a passer first, just because when he tucks the ball, if he just keeps his eyes up, there's some guys that's running uh, wide open down the field. So once he learns to just marry up the running game and the passing game to where um, he keeps his eyes up when he does decide to turn into a runner, I, I think he can be really dangerous in that facet. But one more question on quarterbacks and just two more on the other stuff. And we'll get you out of here on Sam Howell playing the system too. Yeah. How do you think he would translate to this in the NFL? I mean, what are your thoughts on him after this year? And I don't, I certainly don't anticipate them not going quarterback at two, but you know, I do think that this is a good system for him. So what do you think his future could be in this system in the NFL? Well, it helps just because what's, what we saw him have the most success with success with in college, excuse me, was in Phil Longo's offense, which was a version of the air raid. So once again, you have a young, cheap backup option that also has a relationship with Drake May, just assuming they take Drake with the number two overall pick. We're already seeing these guys at Carolina basketball games together. They have a relationship. They're from the same area, too. So I think with Sam, it really would help him out a lot just because, once again, he understands the terminology. He has experience in it. And then also he would have a working relationship with the quarterback that they bring in as well. And then with Sam, we said the same thing Um Last time I was on the pod, I think a couple episodes ago, I thought the best case scenario for Sam is that he turns into an Andy Dalton type mm-hmm. of starter. I thought that's where his ceiling was. And I mean, Cincinnati won a lot of games and they went to the playoffs consistently with Andy Dalton during his heyday. But I think that's the best case scenario with Sam if he does end up turning into something. But I mean, I would be really surprised if they don't take a quarterback with the number two overall pick. But Worst case scenario, you have a cheap backup for three years, and I'm not saying they're going to trade Sam or anything like that, but if they do end up hanging on to him, you have somebody that has experience as well, and then also he has experience in the air raid offense too. And that's my thought too, is if nothing else, he could be a really good backup for them, and maybe you get your chance in two years in this offense, and you're further ahead than where you were this year and more ready to to, to make a move because one year doesn't define anybody. The other, The last part too is they need offensive line help. They have a few picks there in second round. How does a draft stack up for whether it's the center, left, you know, guard, or or, or tackle? I guess yeah. all the spots. How does it stack up early in the second round? Where's the strength of the draft there as of now, as we're talking right now? Well, I, I once again, I always like coming back to Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it. Now, I thought this was the most attractive GM job of any mm-hmm. in the NFL, just because of the resources that you have. You have eighty plus million in cap space, projected to have five picks inside the top 100. And then also, all of your weaknesses that you have on your team is pretty strong draft classes at most of those spots. Offensive tackle, I think, is a clear weak point for them. You may go into a situation of where you may need two offensive tackles. We'll see what happens with Andrew Wiley and then also Charles Leno. Um, Both of those guys really haven't been up to par, so you may go into the season or you may go into the offseason needing two offensive tackles. I'm sure they'll sign one in free agency if they do end up letting both of those guys go, depending on what happens there and then drafting one. So you have, what, two picks uh, in the second round, and I think that's a great spot to get uh, one of these guys on the back end of this, the top of this offensive class, whether it's a Patrick Paul, 
of Houston, a Kingsley Suma Tahia of BYU, and then also Jordan Morgan of Arizona. So I think out of those three, they would be happy with any of those guys at either one of those second round picks. And then center, uh, I think they're going to be in range to get either the second or the third one in this draft class. I don't think Jackson Powers Johnson is going to be there uh, for them in the second round. I think he's going to end up being a first round selection. But Zach Frazier of um, West Virginia is one name that's generating plenty of buzz right now. And then also Graham Barton of Duke, who played tackle at Duke, but I think he's going to have to transition inside either to guard or center. So coming out of that second round with either one or either uh, five of those players at either one of those spots in the second round, I think will be a home run for them. But I would be really surprised if Adam Peters comes out of that second round, um, not using either one of those picks on a trench player. Yeah, I, I would be too, because they need a lot of work in there and we'll see what happens. Cause if you're going to get a rookie quarterback, you better get some more guys yeah. around there to kind of build <laughs> it up and protect them, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, very, very last thing. Is there a receiver type that fits better, that fits well in this style offense? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. Um, I, I think with the air raid, you really want guys, obviously, that they can run. You want guys that can run just because with Cliff, we saw what he had at Arizona. You had guys like Hollywood Brown and some of the other players that they had on the roster. So you want people that are really smart just because there's going to be a lot of coverage reads mm -hmm. on the run in the air raid. And it's not more so of just having a set play. So when the players call it in the huddle, um, what you have to know as a receiver in the air raid is that you have to be able to decipher man or zone. So there's a lot of read and react on the run. Um, with a lot of those concepts. And that's what you see a lot of times in Arizona. Um, so I think somebody like an Xavier Leggett from South Carolina would be a really good uh, prototype for them. He's one I would have circled. Uh, Adnay Mitchell from Texas will be another. I don't know if he's going to be available for them at 36, but if he is there, I think he will be a really good selection. Just some players that have had experience in this type of offense, maybe not more so the air raid, but more difficult type of offenses that makes them think on the run. So those will be two guys I definitely would have an eye on. Jordan, awesome stuff. Thanks for your time. And again, people check you out on ESPN, ESPN plus really, really good insightful information all the time. Thanks Jordan. Absolutely. Thanks as always, John. Think, you know, the Brooks ghost think again, introducing the all new better than ever ghost 16. Now with nitrogen infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all new nitrogen infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Jordan for joining me and thank you as always for tuning in. I'll be back on Wednesday with another episode as we continue to look at the at, at the coaching situation, but also gonna have a conversation about the Chicago Bears. What would it take to get them to move off that top pick? I'll bring in our Bears, ESPN Bears reporter, Courtney Cronin to fill you in. Talk to you next time. <laughs>